The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's cloud strategy and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're absolutely in the right place. Today's buzz, ring, ring. Or as I like to say, if you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. Anybody remember Beyonce and single ladies? Well, I have a reason for opening with that. Let's get started. Telcos. Okay, now you get the ring, ring reference. Telcos provide the backbone of our always connected digital lives. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. As customers, we want a dazzling array of services, services that a few years ago were considered magic, virtual magic, and maybe only for those who could afford the perks. That was about 25 years ago, which is just a heartbeat, just a blink away from today. But things have changed. Deregulation and the web have eroded the traditional revenue streams that kept telcos going. Voice revenues are down. Is that my fault? Is that your fault? Probably yes. And cloud-based data is taking over. So here's the big question. How can telcos make us and keep us happy? We want to be happy. How can they stay profitable? They have to in order to survive. And how can they still keep the digital foundation of our economy at, I'm going to use a funky phrase here, five nines reliability. Now, I think a couple of our panelists probably remember the landline days. I still have one. Five nines was code for 99.999% uptime, which was the gold standard of telco service expectations. We have assembled a great panel. They are global today. Can't wait to talk to them. First up... Our first panelist is E.Y. Snowden. He's the president and CEO of RBM Technologies. And I'm going to give a warning to our listeners. All three panelists have sent me quotes in Latin. Never happened before on about 400 Game Changers radio shows. With a couple of thousand panelists, this is a first. So let's get started. (laughs) E.Y. told me the following. Doom Spiro Spiro. I won't even begin to spell that. It's Latin for while I breathe, I hope. And E.Y. says this is the Snowden family motto. My research tells me it was originally attributed to Theocracy and Cicero way back in the day. E.Y. Snowden, welcome. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. Thank you. And yes, I, I figure there's no reason to argue with centuries of history here as my family chose this motto way back. It does have everything to do with a never-say-die attitude that embodies my family and certainly my values and, and uh, why I say we're good people to bet on to get it done. So thank you. Great to be a part of the show today. I appreciate that. Well, I want to talk to you a little more before we get going to our next panelist. While I breathe, I hope. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the the, uh, the thinker quote, Je pense donc je suis, but maybe I'm going too far afield into the French part of the world. EY, <laughs> uh, does your family have a clan? Is it, do you have a clan tartan to go along with this Latin uh, motto of while I breathe, I hope? 
Uh, well, we have an, an emblem and has a, a peacock uh, and its large feathered tail proudly displayed as part of it, as well as some stars in the banner. If I could uh, show you an image, I would, I would gladly get it for you. You're welcome to tweet it at hashtag SAP Radio. But more importantly, why? How does this relate to our topic of telcos today? What's going to keep them going? How will they survive and thrive? Why do they need to know Doom Spiro Spiro? Because it is about never saying die. It is about, indeed, making the reality happen that can. And uh, we'll talk a good deal about sort of how that's going to go and, and uh, vision at the end here for how it may end up 10 years from now. But. Uh, uh, it is a world that I've been a part of now for almost 25 years and uh, something that's exciting to be a part of and, and watch how our role as uh, telco operators has grown and expanded over time. Thank you. You sound very optimistic. And if you go back 25 years with telcos, then you remember the era of the five nines. So there we have it. Thank you, EY. Pleasure to meet you. And bringing on our second panelist, he is Johan Berg, head of Digital Root. That's one word. And he sent me another Latin quote. This one's easy for me to pronounce. Minima maxima sunt, S-U-N-T. It's Latin for it. The smallest things were the most important. And Johan says that translates today to smart data, not big data. Welcome, Johan Berg. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you for joining us. Talk to me. How does this relate to our topic of telcos, Johan? Well, I think uh, if we relate back to the... Um, the Romans, uh, there are a lot of good quotes coming out of there, and uh, um, smallest things being most important has really no limit to uh, to our life or what we do. So, I mean, if you take it into the aspect of uh, being a golfer, uh, you can translate uh, a golf phrase into drive for show, put for dough. I mean, the big drive is one thing, but it is the details that's going to make you win. <laughs> And I think uh, uh, you care for your clubs, you care for equipment, you care reading the greens, you do all those type of things. And you tie that back to the telco space. I mean, the guys that are going to survive in the future will be the ones that really pay attention to the details and the small things that are going to make a game changer for them. Okay, so you, you are optimistic. Well, I take that as a given. You're optimistic for the future of telcos? Absolutely, but it will be a different game for them. That's what I'm really sure of. Do you think they'll ever get back to the five nines, the nine nine point nine 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 percent uptime? What do you think, honestly? <laughs> I, I doubt that, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have optimism mixed with reality. I appreciate that, and we're focusing on the small things. And I'm also pleased now to bring on our third panelist. It's Rick Costanzo, Executive Vice President and General Manager of SAP Telco Industry and Mobility Solutions. Obviously, that's why he's here. And Rick has also sent me a Latin quote. This one's a little more involved. Aut, A-U-T, aut viam inveniam, aut fasciam, and it's Latin for I shall either find a way or make one. And those of you history buffs may remember this was something Hannibal said with the elephants in the mountain and getting to the other side. Rick, can you please elucidate and elaborate for me? Rick Costanzo, <laughs> how are you today? <laughs> I'm very well, Bonnie. Nice to be with you all today. And, Delighted uh, to have you. you correctly. Yeah, you correctly associated the uh, the quote to Hannibal, correct? Uh, I'd love to tell you it was such an auspicious origin, but actually it's something that my father simply taught me at a very young age. Well, your father taught you well, so let's relate that to our to telco topic, which is a topic you live and breathe every day when you roll at SAP. So talk to me. How does this Latin phrase, this tough one, and Hannibal relate to telcos? Do they have to get elephants and go around a mountain? Rick? 
Yeah, and I think, look, what it's really meant to represent in my, in my view is when you're faced with incredible challenges, you know, necessity is the mother of invention and innovation usually occurs. And when you take a look at the telco industry, so long have they defined success by subscriber rates and subscriber growth. Well, we're at a point now in the industry where we're running out of subscribers. Penetration is pretty high in most parts of the world. So we're at this point where success needs to be redefined. And I think it's an incredibly uh, exciting time in the industry and certainly have a number of views that I'm looking forward to getting into the discussion as to how uh, success could be redefined going forward. Thank you. And I think redefined is a key word here in our discussion, Rick and Johan and EY. We're not saying they're gone, they're out, they have no opportunity. We're talking about optimism, but redefinition is probably an operative word in our discussion. Thank you. Good intro, everyone. And now I have a question for my panel. It may be the hardest thing you have to think about all during the show. What are you drinking? What's in your cup today? Because Industry Cloud Trends is part of our bigger show coffee break with Game Changers. So EY Snowden, why don't you tell me where you're calling from, and if you're not drinking anything interesting, tell me what you want to drink after the show. Go ahead, EY. Well, I'll take the second path on that. Thank you. Yes, I'm (laughs) sitting at my office uh, in RBM Technologies' beautiful headquarters in the Innovation District in the city of Boston. And uh, this morning I'm thinking about, after the show, having a glass of the fine Snowden Vineyards Cabernet Sauvignon. I happen to be fortunate enough to uh, be part of a family that includes some very good vintners. These people have been making very high-quality wines. They are cult Cabernet makers, most famous for. They make Sauvignon Blanc and other wines as well. They were actually just featured in about a page and a half uh, feature article in the San Francisco Chronicle a week and a half ago, highlighting the family, uh, my cousins and niece who are uh, actively involved in the niece being the winemaker for these fine wines. Uh, these are wines that people like Robert Parker has rated anywhere between 92 and 97 over the last decade and a half. So some, some good stuff I'm happy to uh, be related to. Well, I wish you would share a bottle with those of us who were not so lucky to be related to top-notch vintners. Thank you for the reference and a little bit jealous here. Enjoy the glass. Johan Berg, where are you calling from and what are you drinking right now or after the show? What time of day is it where you are, Johan? Well, it's uh, five in the afternoon, and I'm calling in from Stockholm, right in the downtown by the water next to the Royal Palace, nice. where we have our office. Really nice place. Well, I have a hard time to beat uh, EJ here on drinking. I'm actually drinking water. But the story around it is uh, pretty funny in a way, you know. Uh, you know how it is in, um, in um, living with your family and your wife. You kind of sometimes get reminded on trying to keep your body in shape. And uh, this Christmas period, we went to Florida for vacation. And, uh, well, after coming back, my wife showed me a picture of myself on the beach. And so now it's water and diet and gym for me. So that's the reason I'm having water. And I think you said Jim and not Jin. I'm pretty sure you said Jim with an N at the an M at the end. I appreciate. It. Yes, it's yeah. those damn pictures. You know, Johan, if we're not taking selfies and then shredding them digitally, shredding them, somebody else is just going to take a picture, and there we are for us and the world and our family to see. Darn it, darn it, darn it. Okay, well, reality check. I wouldn't even dare be on the beach where anybody could take a picture of me. What can I tell you? And I'm drinking water, too. The reason I'm drinking water, Johan, is because they don't allow me to have caffeine on radio show days, and you're going to find out why. Rick Costanzo, <laughs> Rick Costanzo, where are you calling from? What time of day is it, and what are you drinking? 
So I, I'm calling in from our offices in Waldorf, Germany, and I, I'm actually drinking uh, a highly caffeinated beverage. I'm drinking a triple espresso macchiato. So when you travel as much as I do, I, I pretty much run my life on caffeine. And I, I became a bit of a coffee bigot, Bonnie. And, and uh, many, many years ago, I had the uh, lovely uh, opportunity to live in Rome for about nine months and mm-hmm. got it completely addicted to a great little cafe place called Cafe Sant'Ustacchio. And it's uh, right near the Pantheon in central Rome. And it's, it's like walking into a 1960s Fellini film. Everybody's in beautiful kind of old-fashioned white jackets with the lovely Ooh. ornamental espresso machines. And so whenever I can, that's the beverage I always take. And certainly as uh, time zones can be a bit of a challenge, uh, something like this helps it smooth it all out for me. Well, I, I, I heard that Canadian accent sneak in there, Rick. I did. I heard out. I heard out. I got it. I knew I'd get it eventually if I spoke to you long enough. Uh, we have a great panel. Good sense of humor. Good perspective. We're talking today about telcos, and our topic is dialing it in, ring, ring. Telcos are looking to big data and new services to survive. We want them to survive. We hope they survive. We need them to survive. But how can they stay profitable, and how can they give us the relationship? liability we want with the dazzling services we now demand. Poor telcos. Let's find out after the break what our panelists think is going to happen in the telco industry and some ideas on how telcos can survive. I hope they are listening today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to still be Bonnie D. Graham after the break. You're listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. If you're keeping track, this is one of our newer series, and we're delighted to be working with Matt Small at SAP and his wonderful team putting together these great, topical, timely shows. So, don't even think Think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. SAP, co-innovating alongside customers, is taking its industry-specific solutions into the cloud. Join us to learn how to make the world run simpler in the cloud without missing a beat. It's a tall order. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers brings together the people who are making it happen. We'll delve into very specific industry challenges and also solutions that run across disparate industries, all to help you succeed in your mission. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. Welcome back, and our topic today is dialing it in. Telcos look to big data and new services. We have a lot of ground to cover. We're going to kick off the roundtable with E.Y. Snowden. And, E.Y., I'm looking at your notes. You sent me some great information here. I'm going to start at the very beginning. I'm going to read a little bit and ask you to expand it. Then we will ask your fellow panelists, Johan and Rick, to chime in. So let's talk about retail stores are thriving. You say, while there may be little growth left in the mobile subscriber base for telcos, volumes in leading carrier retail stores 
stories have never been higher. Well, that sounds like good news. And you say innovation in devices has shortened the upgrade life cycle and made multiple mobiles the norm. I have three iPhones. Two of them are hidden away somewhere. I must have three at least LG flip phones in the back of the drawer. And I used to work for Nokia, and I got all the prototypes. So I have about five gorgeous fancy phones sitting in a box. And I don't know if that qualifies me as multiple mobiles are the new norm. E.Y. Snowden, talk to us. Yeah, I mean, the, the calculus of how to create enterprise value as a mobile carrier has, has changed. It used to be all about growth of subscribers, growing that subscriber base from half of America owning a cell phone to all of America owning a cell phone. But now it's gone even further. Everybody's got one. So the exciting piece of that news is that rather than focusing on adding subscriber growth to your base of subscribers to the telco, look at that retail business you have. The activity inside of the store, the new sales and the device upgrades has never been better. Smart carriers as well as the device manufacturers have gone to programs where they're incenting that upgrade faster and faster. So volumes in stores, the price of an of a average sale in a store – and most importantly, creating an experience in the store so that the consumer comes in and feels more and more a part of you and your brand so that you are able to live out in that store experience what you're already relaying to that consumer over their mobile, over the desktop should they be on the web in that fashion, so you create a all-channels consistent thriving experience for that consumer to embrace your brand, to know your brand, to experience it in that store, and to give you their share of mind. This is a great place for mobile carriers who may not have woken up to the fact that they run thriving retail businesses to focus mm-hmm. on it as a business and use that as the reason to put in best-in-class resources to do the best job of running a retail business. Forget you're a mobile carrier. You've got a great retail business with feet in the door every day, a fantastic young demographic and wealthy demographic, and a great presence of mind. So. That's what we're talking about here is focusing on that piece of your value added. Very interesting, and I couldn't agree with you more. I think they need to do a better job on their retail presentation. I visit a certain store here once in a while to either buy a new iPhone or to get something fixed on one of my phones or change my services. I've never been impressed with either the quality of the service, the people working there, the layout of the store. It's just some place I have to go, and thank goodness I can find a parking spot when I have to go. I wish it were more exciting. Uh, EY, thanks for kicking that off. Johan, Johan Berg, let's hear what you have to say about the retail experience from these telcos. What do you observe? Well, I think that EJ is right. I mean, I think we, uh, first of all, I think it comes back to that operators really need to find new revenue streams coming in. I mean, we we all know what happened to the old voice traffic and the, the messaging coming down or not being priced at all. So for sure, it's going. It's it's an area for them to explore, and I think we. We, we see more and more of the operators really trying to launch these type of services and trying to drive them in, in some kind of retail area. Um, the question is, how quickly can they move or do they need to partner with someone else or, and create a partner system around it? Because the, the operators are still telco operators and they are bad at some things and they're good at some things. So I think it will happen, but the question is how will it happen together, uh, either themselves or together with someone? Interesting. Sounds like a business opportunity. Rick Costanzo, I'd love to hear what you have to say about the retail experience for telcos. 
Yeah, I mean, no disagreements with what Johan or, or what uh, EY were saying, and, and Bonnie as well. I mean, it's there's an opportunity to improve in terms of retail experience. Let's just say that. But those frequent upgrade cycles, I mean, the other side of that coin is that it's a tough economic model for the operator as well, right? So when you take a look at the more popular devices, it kind of skews. Like the, the mid-range is gone, so it's either high-end or it's low-end. And the high-end stuff, they're putting in several hundred dollars of subsidies to actually earn the attention. So it's tough. Like, it really, really is. But having said that, if I were to think about how to improve that retail experience, you take a look at, you know, the amount of information that, you know, telcos and mobile operators in particular have about their customers. And, you know, when I'd go into a retail store, I'd see certainly be looking for, you know, an understanding from the retail rep that they know who I am that maybe mm-hmm. I called into 1-800, I got a problem a couple of weeks ago, that I upgraded a little while ago, and they have more current information about who I am, so they can kind of start to treat me like a segment of one. And I think, um, you know, some of that stuff is fairly complicated, and so there is an opportunity to partner and improve that, but I think it's certainly within reach. So l- lots of work to do in terms of improving that, but I think the opportunities are near. Thank you. Also optimistic. EY, you want to chime in on what your colleagues on the panel have added to our topic? I do, because Rick uh, really is right on the money. Making that consumer feel like that is a completely personalized experience is what it's all about. And telco carriers, frankly, are in a better position than anyone to take advantage of big data, of analytics, to be able to do just that. Uh, big data and analytics are, are well understood. They're a big phenomenon across all of commerce today. But no one in a more enviable position than the mobile than the mobile carrier who has so much information about their customers, about their activities every day, about their desires and their what they're doing. So use that. Use that to bring a single source of truth uh, in that data for how you should present in the retail store as they walk in a proposition that is inviting for them, that has the product set ready for their kind of demographic, for their kind of purchase patterns that have justified this in the past, to have on display that assortment of products tailored to that consumer coming in. But beyond just that big data and that special uh, analytics-driven approach to the product planning, it's really about using more technology yet to really localize and personalize it, to take Mm -hmm. Uh, what big data will generate as an optimal product set and say, but in this store in your neighborhood where I know you frequent, we are able to put that in exactly the right locations in that store so that it's presented consistently with, with precision in the same fashion every time you walk into a store, wherever you may be, in the same fashion you're expecting it after envisioning and experiencing us on the web so that you're able to bring a true, localized, personalized experience driven right down to a precise placement of product, guiding that consumer in the store, et cetera. Thank you. All sounds good. I want to pick up on the word data, which we've been bandying about, and I'm looking at Johan Berg's comments, the notes you sent me before the show, Johan. I have a, I'm going to go to your first talking point here, and I'd like to read a little, and let's look at the silos of data that have traditionally been kept separately by telcos. You say, the combination of data that has traditionally been separated into silos can today drive new monetization opportunities. And you continue in telcos, outputs from silos holding information about network quality, about subscribers, about charging, 
about CRM and social media can be brought together to deliver a composite that fuels revenue-generating applications. Johan, why don't you lead us on this one, and then we'll ask Rick and EY to jump in. Go ahead. Absolutely. I kinda, it kind of refers back a little bit to what we talked about on the retail store, the ability to really have a holistic view of the consumer. So I, I tell you a story. Um, talking to some of the operators, uh, the operators start to realize that they don't really control the end user consumer anymore. It's actually the device manufacturer that controls that because they, in, in their turn, will control what application you run on your phone. Thinking of your iPhone, for example, you, um, you are more or less doomed to use the application that you get through iTunes. Um, that means that the operators in themselves becomes um, a transporter of the data only. And by doing that, they are not really controlling the end customer. So what they need to do is really take advantage of all the data they hold in the network, making sure that they can see how you actually uh, perform on the network side, how you perceive your billing, how you are being treated in your uh, customer relationship when you call to the support, how you actually consume your social media. And by doing all of that, I think that they have a huge opportunity to have a full view of you as a consumer. And by doing that, being able to dictate what type of services you would like to have, like we talked about the retail store area, or even making sure that you are not churning from the operator. And by doing that, uh, maintaining the revenue stream and operator. And this will lead all the way to the ability to predict when there is a chance for someone really jumping the ship, so to say, or taking or going to another operator. So yeah. I think that's the thing about the turning down the silos. That has never been possible before. It's always been per area we have been looking at the data. Interesting yeah. points. And and I'm I'm guessing the churn is higher now than ever before. Is that what you've observed, Johan? Absolutely. I mean there is really no one really ties to an operator anymore. I think if you talk to the mm -hmm. young generation, I think they will talk about what handset they have and what type of service they run on the handset, not really always even knowing what type of carrier they use. There you go. Rick Costanzo, I want to hear what you have to say. Well, two things. So churn is absolutely high, uh, and it kind of goes to certain demographics, as Johan pointed out. The other thing is there are strategies that say, look, you know, less profitable individuals that, you know, rack up high costs are kind of the ones that, you know, telcos are very happy to see go and go on to other, to other competitors as well. So there's a lot at play there. And I think uh, there's certainly been a lot of recognition over the past couple of years in terms of looking at the base and figuring out, you know, where the profitability actually lies and where the costs actually lie as well. So there's that element to it. Uh, the other thing that I heard um, Johan talking about was just the silos that exist in the organization. And, you know, I, I would share an anecdote with you that in a previous lifetime, you know, I'm going to say going back to the early 2000s, when, you know, packet data networks were just getting started around the world, there was a lot of focus around, you know, how do we build the right tariff plans to incent data uptake as we were going from a voice-only world to, you know, the first steps in, in mobile data. And, gosh, extracting the data from, you know, CRM systems, from network operations, from billing, 
it was like a several month process to get that data out of the systems and then another month or two of actually crunching through the numbers to do the modeling to figure out you know what the sweet points actually were well gosh by the time that was all done 6 months had already elapsed and those opportunities you know were gone and you had to almost reconsider fast forward today and you know gosh the amount of data that's available on the networks is you know exponentially exploded like it really has. So, and those silos still exist. So the opportunity to get rid of those walls and to get an end-to-end perspective of what's happening from a customer's entire journey, from acquisition to, you know, customer relationship to billing, et cetera. I mean, that's a powerful opportunity. Whoever can put that together in real time and deliver like a context-based experience at point of sale or on the web, whatever the channel is that the individual wants to actually interact with, that's uh, that's huge value and a huge opportunity. Thank you. Opportunity, another good optimistic word here. E.Y. Snowden, come in on this. Thoughts? So, yeah, absolutely. I'm a big believer in organizational dynamics, and I believe that the whole issue of these silos of data and decision-making is all about how you help organize your own organization, create an organization that thrives, that works incredibly well on a horizontal plane across organizational boundaries to solve problems. But it's also about the vendor community you put together to help solve those problems and the way in which that data then becomes available in an easily accessible single-source platform for all to use and to share so that you're able to tack those problems, bring all the relevant data to allow for the delivery of a very personal relationship with the consumer by the time they experience you because you've brought all that information together to make their interaction with you relevant and compelling. Mm. Johan Berg, you want to wrap up this topic for us since we started with you? Thoughts? Yeah. Um, so, I think we we touched on on all of the things there, but one thing I think is worthwhile pointing out is that it's also the ability to reach data that normally has never been monetized. I mean, you take the social media data, for example. It may be actually the the most important data for to for actually supplying other services or to, or even making sure that the cons- the consumers stay on your network. You know, so and and that's a new ability that we also see. So I think that that is important to understand. It's not the traditionally old network data only. It's the data coming from so many sources that is the power of this, actually. Thank you. Sounds like a big job. We'll talk about whose job is it anyway later in the show. Rick Costanzo, I'm looking at your notes. I'm finding something very interesting here. I don't think we've covered yet. Let me read it. You say security and privacy are hot topics in the telco industry today. As carriers look to monetize data, they need to adopt policies that make clear how they are handling customer data, how they are maintaining customer data privacy, and data center security. This is a hot-button topic in every industry today where information is exchanged. Rick, why don't you lead us off on this ta- this tangent, if you will? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking an awful lot in the discussion about how, you know, telcos and mobile operators in particular can all unlock the value of data that they have on their networks to deliver kind of a a personalized experience whenever, you know, customers are interacting with them. And that's great, but there's a balancing act associated with that, right? And, you know, I euphemistically refer to it as a creep factor. 
So it's good as long as um, people have the ability to kind of opt into certain models and say it's okay if you want to use this data and that's fine. So that's one thing to consider. Certainly the clarity up front from you know, letting people know that you know, you're walking down that path is fine too. There's another element that says uh, you know, an awful lot of those concerns in terms of privacy can be, can be realized as long as you anonymize the data. And a really good example is when you take a look at using something like Uber as an example, you know, your location is actually known as, um, you know, a certain spot on the map. It's not Bonnie's name that's next to the pin or Rick's name that's next to the pin. It's simply a pin. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you think about for that for a second, something as, you know, simple as that actually delivers a level of comfort in terms of how that person interacts with the app that avoids any kind of creepiness factor associated with that. So uh, absolutely believe there's value in terms of contextual information to deliver a personalized experience. You just need to be upfront that, you know, that's actually happening. Let people actually opt into that experience if they want and anonymize that information so that you don't go overboard in terms of how much you're kind of uh, engaging with the individual uh, in an overboard fashion. Rick, I want to add an anecdote before I bring in EY and Johan on this part of our conversation. Um, I use one vendor, one telco for, oh, let's see, what have I got here? I've got multiple computers and cell phones and uh, modems and, and all kinds of devices. I've got a little factory here on my desk where I produce SAP radio. And I notice that when I go on to my iMac, and I'm interested in getting the TV schedule from my internet homepage, okay? Just want the TV schedule for the night. And I'm saying, show me 8 to 11 p.m., not 4 to 5 p.m. I want 8 to 11. I want to know what's on tonight. My carrier makes me put in my zip code and which part of their system I subscribe to every single time. Rick, I've had the same carrier for years and years and years. So I finally talked to their customer service. I said, why do you make me? You know who I am. You know my IP address. You know where I am. You know, you know I'm within this part of your residential service. Why? And the answer from the customer service rep was, well, a lot of people are worried about privacy, so we don't want to retain any information. Mm -hmm. That was the answer I got. So where does that fall on the privacy spectrum, Rick Costanzo? Mm -hmm. Well, it depends on the individual, doesn't it, right? And it depends on privacy rules and laws that are required in different markets around the world as well. So it's it's a tricky subject, right? So certainly there are markets, um, you know, in Western Europe, for example, that skew a little more heavily towards, you know, privacy than other markets around the world. So it, it's a tricky thing. You could also skew it to demographics as well, right? So you know, being of a certain age and generation, we have, uh, at least I do, in terms of a certain opinion about the value of privacy. And uh, there's, a, you know, a new generation that grew up, you know, in a digital environment sharing everything on social media where it's a different thing. So, you know, it's tricky for sure. I, I think uh, there's a comfort level in terms of not retaining information. So that's a good thing. But it's an interesting balancing act because you're giving up opportunities to actually have that personal experience. So tricky for sure. It is tricky, and they did mention to me that they have an older population skew, a present company not included, and at least not he didn't mention me. I don't think he knows that much about me. And, uh, and anyway, that was part of the thing. But I would love to be given the option. I would like the option to say, remember my zip code so you know what TV system I'm on so I don't have to keep. But that I digress. Uh, well, E.Y. Snowden. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Who is that? Hi, Bonnie. It's your, it's your one. Just, Please. Uh, just a comment on this. Yes. I think um, – we need to define this in two areas. I think uh, when it comes to solving a problem or an issue, I think people are very much open for 
kind of automatic uh, loops back into uh, into uh, to using uh, whatever data it is to solve the problem. When it comes to personal things, I think uh, uh, intrudency is, is becoming an issue. So it depends what we're really going to do with the data. So uh, that will probably determine how, how we want to handle security down the road. Good point. E.Y. Snowden, talk to me about security and privacy. What's your POV? You bet. Uh, I mean, Rick's point about age, you know, matters a ton. As we've got a, a, a younger demographic that is very comfortable with sharing an immense amount on, in the digital world. But uh, that aside, it's it's been true and it remains true that uh, wire, wireless carriers have an obligation with regard to the protection of this information. But think about who they're competing with. People who have really cool apps. The simple fact is they're saying you need to opt in for my app. Give me your information and give me the permission to use it how I choose to present to you with the proposal for a new opportunity for a sales promotion, etc. They earn that right because they do have something cool, because they've actually used their big data to understand what that consumer likes, what's relevant to them, and the time at which to present it. You do that well, you get people saying, no, I don't want to miss out. I'm going to definitely give you the chance to present me with that opportunity, un, you know, unprompted by me, because I happen to walk in front of a display in a store. And that is exactly where you want to get to with your data, doing it in a, in a first of all, above board, because you need to have them opting in and, and appropriately giving you their permission. But second of all, using your big data really well to do this in a natural fashion, to do this in an unobnoxious present relevance present compelling opportunities in a timely fashion, and they've got all the tools to do that. Rick Costanza, this was your privacy topic. You want to comment on what EY and Johan just added? Yeah, I think generally speaking, we're, we're all on the same page. I mean, it goes to intent in terms of how are you using that information and then giving the customers the opportunity to either opt in or opt out. And I think uh, given the, the various filters, right, whether it's cultural or whether it's demographic of age as well, you need to have that flexibility. I think uh, there still remains a, a tremendous amount of work to be done in terms of showing customers, you know, the value of being able to unlock, you know, uh, uh, contextual data for their benefit in a responsible way, right? So there's the balancing act. But I think that's the reason why the three of us are sounding the, the note of optimism on this call. There's a ton mm -hmm. of information available there. I think there's an opportunity to anonymize that and to do uh, to do um, the contextual experience for the individuals to address their individual requirements in a very responsible way and in a very powerful way. So interesting time ahead. Very much is, and we'll save some of those remarks for our predictions round coming up in about 10 minutes. I want to look back at some of EY's, some further notes from EY Snowden. EY, let's talk a little bit about big data being used to help retail stores do better. We talked about the retail experience, but I'm looking at your notes. You say store compliance critical to big data. You, ask the, you make the comment, inclusion of store execution data for campaigns, for products, accessories, merchandising is critical to building analytics that will help your store outperform your competitors. Are they using this data well enough, properly enough? Do they understand the huge mountain of information that they're sitting on in terms of what's happening in that retail store? What do you see? Uh, in, in fact, no, this is a new frontier that, that I okay. think leading uh, providers in the space planning arena have data that they can deliver to retailers that include how effectively stores actually carried out 
the new promotion. As you appreciate, just uh, last week, uh, Rick and I, for example, were at Mobile World Congress, the world, the global uh, mobile show in, in Barcelona, and many uh, providers announced brand new devices, uh, the latest, the next, <laughs> the next big thing. So when that gets on shelves, retailers are expected to consistently methodically throughout the world and, or, or, and throughout the entire retail chain, let's say, uh, presenting that in the front of the store with the special promotions attached to that. Well, if it's not done correctly, if a store fails at that, that's a critical piece of data. If you only look at the big data without that compliance information, you may say, ooh, this launch didn't go so well. Uh, there are, you know, all these stores in certain uh, geographic areas seem to not do it, so it must be people in those geographies really don't like that kind of device, when in fact it was much more about specifics of execution. They didn't carry out what it was that the corporate campaign prescribed to have happen in the presentation in that store, and that's what detracted from sales lift. Understanding that, building that back into your big data, lets you actually go one step beyond and lift revenues by managing appropriately by executing with precision. Interesting. The, the key thing I remember about my local retail telco store, EYAL, is that there's what I call a bench of shame. And the bench of shame is the first thing you see when you walk up the stairs, and that's where people sit when their problems are so huge that the service staff can't just put your phone into some kind of a this or that and attach a cable and do the transfer or get it started again or tell you it's broken down but buy a new one. You sit there and you wait and you wait. That's the first thing you see. You don't see any promotions. You don't see any fancy shelving. All you see is people sitting and waiting with their coats on and their purses and bags, looking uncomfortable and unhappy and waiting and waiting for their phones to be given back to them. That's the fr- Now, really, is that really the way a retail telco should be presenting that new experience? I ask the whole panel. Anybody agree that that's a good strategy? Rick or EY uh, or Johan? Yeah. Happy to jump in, Bonnie. It's Rick. Yes. Well, obviously not, right? So, but I, I would say this. I mean, EY mentioned that we were together in you know the industry's biggest show in Barcelona, and you know, um, this would probably be my 16th year that I've been attending. W- what was different for me as it relates to this subject was this was the most kind of ungadget, undevice centric show that I remember in a long, long time. Right. Usually the show is dominated by, hey, look at this new device launch or look at that new gadget launch, et cetera. And, um, and you know, certainly I can think of one that stands out this year, but it wasn't, you know, a kind of parade of, you know, new smartphone launches. Right. Now, why is that? Well, because when the market is like 80 percent penetrated, it's kind of difficult to actually go down that path. And so what I heard at this year's show was a real focus for the first time ever. Right. On, hey, look, big data. We're sitting on this treasure trove. How can we figure out how to deliver value for our customers and figure out new monetization models? And, it, you know, the tricky element, to, I mean, the good, side, the good side is that there's a ton of data. The trick to it is there's a ton of data, right? So <laughs> in, what's the uh, stat that I heard? In the history of mankind, the amount of cumulative, cumulative data that we've produced, 90% of it happened in the last two years, right? Yeah. And that's, like, that's incredible, Right? And it's all, it's all coming from smartphones principally. And when you start thinking about IoT and new connected things, this is just going to be a tsunami. It's like it's just going to be even more and more. So the optimist in me says never before has there been an opportunity for these guys to get it right and to monetize brand new models. Right? The challenge mm-hmm. to it is you know, when you're walking into a retail store and you're engaging with that rep, 
that opportunity to deliver a personalized experience, it's not hours, it's not minutes, it's seconds. And you need mm-hmm. to make sure you're giving the right offer to the right person at the right time. So, um, you know, like I said, you know, don't want to keep on hitting on the optimistic route, but lots to play for, for sure. I agree. Uh, Johan Berg, thoughts on this? I know you had in your notes, you say data is exploding. Those who can process the new mountains of data and control the actual energy consumption and cost to produce the data will be at an advantage. So talk to us. Johan? Yeah. So um, I think if you think about it from from the perspective that um, there's probably more data today in the network than any network uh, available that, than any network actually can handle or process or send. So coming back to what Rick just um, talked about, the Internet of Things, I mean, we say today that 2% of all the devices are connected. There are 98% left to be connected into to our world. Uh, thinking about that, that means that Wow, if all those are going to send data on the networks, it's, going to, it's not going to work. It's not going to be able to handle that. So it comes back to the ability to really figure out what data need to be sent when and where and how. So I need a little bit more of that, a little bit less of that type of data, and I need to have it sent when it really makes a difference. And I think that the ones that can really handle that they will have a game changer. They will be able to come into new areas uh, where we've never been before, you know. And they will be able to take on board uh, services that we haven't seen before either, you know. So I think that that, that, is, a, that is a real um, uh, changer coming forward, you know. It's easy to say we have a ton of data. It's always there. But you cannot really handle it if you're going to handle all of it without being able to really dictate when and where and how. Right date at the right place at the right time is kind of the trick. Story of our lives. Rick or EY, anybody want to comment on what uh, Johan just put out for us? Well, I, this is well, EY. I think that with the, go, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, Rick, you, you, you. Well, there's that mantra, right? I think I've heard it a couple of times, and I certainly have said it once, but I think uh, Johan nailed it. It's the, right, uh, it's the right offer to the right person at the right time. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about context, right? And so to be able to have that meaningful experience, seconds matter, and the amount of work that has to be done to go through that kind of mountain of data that's available on the network and to kind of pinpoint not just historically what's happened with that individual user, but what's happening in the here and now because there's two facets to it, right? History of the individual and their interactions and their purchase behavior in the past, and then what's happening in the here and now. And so if you can get that balance right and deliver that in real time to the individual, and then, dare I say, if you can get into a predictive sense, because often, often there's, there's patterns, and, and there are patterns in most people's uh, behaviors as well, man, that's, uh, that's a golden moment. A golden moment. I like that. EY, I heard you in the background. Please join us. What do you think? Very good. Well, I, I see this, and I see it being able to be lived out very well with, the, for example, that mobile carrier enabling the use of that mobile device itself as well as all the big data they've gotten. So don't forget what, what business you're in. You're in the mobile business. So using that mobile phone, that mobile tablet in the hands, for example, of your retail personnel inside of your stores to deliver the ultimate experience so that the consumer does come in and you have a lot of information about them. They've 
hopefully opted in and enabled you to use that information, but you're able to walk up to the consumer standing now. The fact is you already know who they are, what they're interested in, and purchase patterns of the past, but you don't creep them out. You walk up, tablet in hand, with information because you've got the planogram of that store, the dynamic layout of all products and material in that store in detail in the hand, uh, and you're able to say, uh, have you noticed uh, our new promotion on this product? Without creeping them out, you knew already that they were interested in that, that their purchase patterns of the past had indicated the preference for it, and that your store actually has that product, and you know right where it is because it's all right there dynamically in the dynamic image of the device in your hand. That's what a mobile carrier could do and do best using all of their information as well as their own product to deliver the ultimate experience to the consumer. I think that's the key, is using their own product, EY and, and team. I, I think that's what we're talking about, is wouldn't that be a nice experience if you could say, wow, they're walking the walk and talking the talk, and they're using what they're trying to sell me to help me have a better experience. I want We're almost ready for our predictions round. No, we're not taking a break, and... and uh, just too much to talk about. But I have one comment here, Rick Costanzo, in your notes, one comment I just want to finish this part of the show with. You say the telco industry is running out of subscribers, which is causing a major transition. Obviously, you say we see a need to not only count subscribers, but to weigh them. We're talking about how many different opportunities you have to monetize that customer and sell them more and more services so that they become a more robust customer. What are you, what are you meaning here, Rick Costanzo, please? Well, you nailed it, Bonnie. That's exactly right. So so much of the industry over the past 15, 20 years has really been about subscriber growth, right? That's really how they define mm-hmm. success. But what happens in an environment when you've got over 80% penetration of smartphones and, you know, in key demographics around the world? So you need to redefine success. So my view on it is, look, it's not so much about subscriber counts any longer. It's about, you know, less counting and more weighing. So how can you actually deliver more valuable services to the existing uh, customers that you have and, you know, derive better profitability therein? And, you know, what we've talked an awful lot about today, which I really feel strongly about is, you know, uh, really context-based offers, right, based on, you know, what's happened in the past and based on what's happening in the here and now. So you can get that personalized match to the individuals, and I think there's a, a there's a great path ahead in terms of driving better profitability and, and more meaningful experiences for the end users as well. So less about counting uh, the number of subscribers and more about delivering more value-added services to the existing base. Mm-hmm. Good point. EY or uh, Johan, want to chime in on this before we slide into home plate, which will be the predictions round? EY? Um. I'm ready to move into the next round. Thanks. Okay. Johan, anything you want to talk about in terms of stretching the monetization of each particular customer so that you're not just subscribing them as a number, you are weighing them and stretching that opportunity? Thoughts? Uh, I think we we touched upon it. I mean, it's about making sure that you deliver more to the subscriber and making sure that they're using more of the services instead of just counting the numbers, you know. And the subscriber will probably change in, in shape and form as we go along as well, you know. I mean, uh, we, we talked about the Internet of Things. I mean, is that the subscriber? Is What is it? Is it advice? I mean, we kind of tight subscribers to a phone number today and and uh, it will change it will be more things but it's about offering more to the ones that are there in different shapes and forms so i think uh, rick is uh, right on the money 
So much for a selfie taken on the beach in different shapes and forms, but I digress. Okay, let's move into our final round. It's called the Crystal Ball Predictions Round. I'm looking on the clock. I see here we have six minutes. That means I'm going to give each of you 90 seconds for your predictions. If you don't have a lot to predict, why don't you give us a little recap of what you discussed, what the key points of your talking points were. We're going to start with EY Snowden at RBM Technologies. EY, can you fast forward this conversation to the year 2020? or what do you see clearly in the crystal ball that I know you polished off for the show? So predictions, E.Y. Snowden, 90 seconds, go. Bonnie, nothing simple about it. Uh, There's challenges right and left as we've seen device manufacturers become a, a principal vehicle for consumers to relate. But the fact is the mobile carriers are fortunate in the service they provide is the manner in which people personally choose to access the web, access so many things in life every day. So if they do it well, they will live out and become parties who are innovative, who are invited into our homes, who are the first place we go every day as we turn on our tablet lying in bed, and the last place we go at night, the place that we look to to control our homes, to control our lives, and to control our businesses. So building their own products into their own service to consumers, whether it's meeting them over the air, whether it's inside of their stores, addressing that consistent experience to consumers as they come in, that will be a full, beautiful life for a mobile carrier in the future that I hope I see in five years from now. Oh, I like that. That's very optimistic in five years. Isn't that far away? If you blink, it'll be here, right, EY? You bet. You bet. Okay, let's turn to Johan Berg at Digital Root. Johan, how far into the future can you predict? Well, I, I don't think we can predict that far. I think that we that we have learned at least. I mean, things are happening extremely fast. But just to give you give it a shot, I would say that, I mean, what's happening now with the information that we set on with the, uh, with the moving of the cloud technology, I think that the operators are coming into a situation where they have the opportunity to deliver more services and, and also manage relationships with service providers with a lean and fast and, and agile way. So if I should say anything, I think that you have two scenarios probably in front of you. Telcos will either have to evolve into marketing-led service organization, being mm-hmm. marketing machines, and I mean, that's what we've been talking about most of the time here, or they will revert back to become a, 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 a transport of the data, kind of a bit pipe, uh, even if that is not a good word to use. But uh, I think those are the scenarios that you may see in front of you. Hopefully, there will be something in between, a smart bit pipe and uh, have a healthy relationship with maybe retail and wholesale customers. And, and by doing that, be able to, to, to operate. Thank you very much. Rick Costanzo, I saved 90 seconds for you. Predictions, go. Well, I think Johan got it right. Anybody that can you know, say with integrity that they can predict what's going to happen in the 2020s is drinking a lot more than just coffee in their mug. And so, But I would say this. The one thing that we can reliably depend on is that everything's getting IP connected. So it started off with smartphones several years ago, and now we've got you know, IP-connected thermostats, cars, offices, appliance, et cetera. So you know, where I'm going with this is that it's becoming a more and more network-based society. People's interactions with those networks is going to create a ton of actual data that's residing on the network operator's uh, premises. So you look at this and you kind of go, I think there's a really big opportunity for the operators to improve people's lives 
by unlocking the value of that contextual data in this network society. And, you know, it's going to, I think it's going to skew. I I think a lot of the guys out there are actually looking at it saying, I am going to be resigned to being, you know, a bit pipe and I'm going to focus on driving efficiency in my business and carry packets from one end of the country to the other. But I think the other side of the equation is that there's a lot of operators out there that are saying, that's not my fate. I'm going to be a strategic services platform for my customers, and I'm going to invest and take full advantage of all the opportunity that we have in to actually you know, unlock that value of the data and improve people's lives. That's what I'm betting on, and I'm looking forward to the next couple of years. Thank you very much. I have a bonus question for my panel. A yes or no answer will suffice because we're almost out of time. I have thirty. I have one minute to close the show. So question is, first to EY, then to Johan, and then to Rick. Will this exciting time for telcos redefining their services and their model and their retail stores and how they look at consumers in terms of weighing the opportunities for monetization, will that attract millennials into the telco industry who have that marketing headset, who have that social media mindset, and will the millennials make a great change in the industry going forward. Yes or no, EY? Talk to me. Yes or no? Absolutely. I like that. Okay, Johan Berg, yes or no? Yes, ma'am, it will. Oh, we got a ma'am in there. We have a military person. Okay, and Rick Costanzo, (laughs) yes or no? 100% yes, Bonnie. Okay, glad I picked a good question. I love it when the answer is yes. Here we go. We have been listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers tomorrow. Let's see. It's the end of my broadcast day. Two shows today. Tomorrow's a doubleheader. We'll have Coffee Break with Game Changers, 11 a.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. I'll be back tomorrow with the Internet of Things with Game Changers talking about IoT, Internet of Things, revolutionizing the mining industry. You heard me right. And Thursday, we'll be back with another edition of Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. It is hard to keep them all straight. We have 15 different shows for SAP Game Changers now, and they're all great. I want to say a special thank you to my extraordinary panelists. Very smart, very giving. Thanks for sharing your insights. EY Snowden at RBM Technologies with appreciation. Johan Berg at Digital Root. Thank you so much. Rick Costanzo at SAP. Thank you so much. And a shout-out to Matt Small, sponsor of this series, Mandy Lynn, who works with him. Angela Schweck, or Schwecky, I don't know how to pronounce it, but you have been wonderful on Twitter, tweeting what our panel is saying. And, of course, Brad and the Business Channel team. Brad, have a happy wedding this weekend. We'll miss you later in the week. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow morning on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.